0: As human beings, don't we enjoy enjoyment? This is Five Golden Things, The Liberty Lists, a podcast of whimsy from Liberty Church Collingswood and libertycollingswood.org. We'll hear from friends as we explore everything from potent potables to morsel delectables, awkward laughables to moment teachables. You'll get lots of different categories, but remember that for each one, there can be only five. Plus a mulligan or two. Five... Four, three, two, one. Lift off. Hello, everybody. Is Welcome to Five Golden Things, the Liberty Lists. And my friend Tony looks confused. Tony, are you okay? Is it on? It's on. Okay. All right.
1: All right. <laughs> is Grandma, is this thing on? Right. We were just talking about hearing the intro, and I heard the intro, and then I froze. So there we go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I'm ready. We're back. We're back.
0: And we're kind of live. I am with my friend Tony Bellusio, and the topic for today, Turtle Doves, is going to be our top five, top five big books. Yeah. And we're literalists here sometimes. It, well. <laughs> so I should.
1: Can I can I talk? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, go so ahead. I was at, so this past Sunday, I was talking with Maya Root, um, one of the uh, other you know, attendees here at Liberty Church, Collinswood. Yeah, Wood. also a guest on this pod. Oh, yeah. And uh, she plays piano. And so we were doing music practice. And I mentioned I was doing the pod on big books. And she said, what do you mean by big books? Uh. Big books in size or big books in impact, which ruined my life for about two days. Oh, no. Um, but I chose <laughs> to stick with the literal. Yeah. Just sheer size right can i ask you a question yes is there a cut off amount of pages that you were thinking about here like is there is there like a point at which you're like this now qualifies as a big book we did yes. not talk about this ahead of time
0: okay and we we decided ahead of time not to talk about Correct. it so so there's going to be a lot of reveals back and forth <laughs> here <laughs> right right wouldn't it, wouldn't it be funny if one of us our big book threshold was like much much bigger than the other person. Well, I <laughs> d- I did
1: feel so. You're, you're a philosophy major. I'm an English major. I did feel that there would be a bit of a one-upsmanship. So then I tried yeah. to sort of like dial it back <laughs> a little bit to show that I, you this can do whatever you want. You right. can go long if you want. I don't care, <laughs> but is I so really do. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah, I got some big books. Okay. okay. So
0: yeah. th- uh, Tony, to me, my my rubric was about. 700
1: oh i got one a little under that's okay
0: i i might have one that's in the high sixes so. okay
1: okay yeah i i sort of started at a thousand okay and then realized it could not keep that up <laughs> yeah. and then dialed that back a little bit and then one is like three thousand but oh but some of my thought here as, yeah. a, as a quick little thing and then maybe we can jump in but like yeah part of my thinking here was a lot of people go into big books. They mm-hmm. see these things, they hear these titles, right? And they will never read them. Yeah. Because they, kiss th- of death. Yeah. It's too much. Part of it was because many of these books, um, were, were basically serialized books that took yeah like years older, to write. Yep. So they're not really meant to be read in a month. Like most people like to read books. Yep. So I say you should read these in a year. Yeah. Some of them give it time. Um, so that's, I think, important to read. Uh, the also, also, the other thing I think about is if you have a 600-page book, if it's really... T- I got a Russian book in here. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. It feels like a 1,000. Yeah. Once you get into everybody having 15 names, it feels like <laughs> a 1,000 pages. It qualifies as a big book to me. Yeah. So that was some of my thinking. And just the titles and the weight of some of the titles. Yeah. Edge them up. It, I, I kind of handicap them another 100 pages. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where my, where my thinking is. Anyway, that's
0: I, I think that's totally fair. And just to reiterate, the bottom line is we might not even like these books at all, <laughs> but they're big. <laughs> and that's, the, yeah. that, that, that's what we're going for here. I forget, if I mentioned, Tony, you are an English teacher at Williamstown High School, yeah. 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Yep. What is one of the summer reading books that you've assigned in any of those classes that you're particularly excited about?
1: Um, well, we did Fahrenheit 451 and uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Oh, very good. When judging by the parent phone call I took yesterday, that qualifies as a big book. Okay. At least to some people. You never know. You never know. Right. So, um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we did this year. And then the seniors somehow got out of doing any summer reading whatsoever. Uh, but that's for another discussion. Okay. So, yeah. It, yeah. Pen, pandemic's been hard, Tony. Yes, it has. I know. I understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, before we start, we have some honorable and dishonorable mentions and then our countdown. I promise you we'll keep this snappy. I learned right before we went on the air here that there is a term called being <laughs> that, And I thought that was like a John Belushi sort of thing. But right. It's uh, it's more personal about being regaled by a great storyteller named Tony. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'll try to resist. I have never been accused of talking too long before in my life. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. Uh, but Tony, tell me your reading journey a little bit. And why specifically do you occasionally like to read? Uh, a big
1: book. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I almost always like to read very big project kinds of books like okay. this. Um, I, I, I think e- even when I started reading as a kid, um, when I'd see something that was really thin, I always felt that the author really wasn't taking it seriously. <laughs> um, they, they, <laughs> and they, they so why should we? They didn't understand the assignment. Yeah. And so, right. like, the short story in college always felt like you could have made this a little longer. I don't yeah. know. And I don't, you know, I. I teach the stuff, and I will read these stories, and I like them, yeah, but the longer works always they 're always a mess mm-hmm. they're always they're always too much yeah they 're always excessive, and especially in a modern age, it always felt like the most honest thing to do, actually, like to just pile on m- too much information yeah it's too much to deal with right it, and it, it really makes you reckon with it hmm. um, in a way that a three hundred pager and I have friends that i 'll do little you know, like book clubs with and stuff yeah. like that. We'll read little 200 page books, 300 page books, and we can knock it out in a couple of weeks. But I, it always leaves me feeling like they had to boil down the story too much. They had to boil down the character too much. Yeah. Um, and life is just so much more complex. So right. that's why, that's really why. And I, I never, it never came from anywhere. Okay. Um, the, the trouble with big books is that you have to be very selective because there's only so much time. Time is the enemy yeah. of big books. So, so nobody can ever look at me and say, like, he doesn't have enough time to read because I mm. will. Um, but I have to be very, very selective. And so that probably has changed how I think about what I'm expecting from a book. And that will actually probably inform a lot of the books that I have here. Yeah. So a disclaimer from my part is I uh, th- these are my big books that I think are good. That yes. I think would actually help people if they read them, mm-hmm. uh, or else I wouldn't be saying anything about them, yep. and or I'm going to say bad things about them or something. But yeah. I think they are—they um, helped me think about something, and I'm sure I'll come with that. Yeah, by the end. So
0: very good. Yeah. What were some of Yours, your yeah big books that you read? Middle school, high school—that sort of broke the seal on.
1: I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I mean, I remember really getting—I still have it. I remember really getting into the, the collected essays of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay. At like 15. Yep. Like a really weird age, but Feeling also transcendental. Yeah, I mean, maybe an appropriate age too. But I remember, yeah. like, you know, sitting in the car on a road trip and just crushing Self Reliance. Um, and that's, i still have that book to this to this day. Um, And I remember Walden being a book maybe when I was about 17 Mm -hmm. from uh, uh, Henry David Thoreau. Right. And um, even at that time, I didn't read the whole thing, but just sort of like looking at this huge project and thinking, what an insane person to write a book this long about such a strange topic of, you know, living in the woods or something. Right. So these people have always attracted me. Yeah. Um, Or or, anybody that's just going to end up like people who go to monasteries for 10 years at a time. I love these people. Yeah. Um, And so authors that are going to sit in the room for really way too much time, potentially destroying their life in the process. Yeah. I find that interesting. It's a labor of love. And I have to read it. I have to see what they are up to, even if at the end I say, I don't think anybody else should read this. You know. So, yep.
0: uh, yeah, yeah, I'll say for my own part, yeah. and I, are you or have you been a, a fantasy genre reader? That that was sort of my gateway it into never stucks. Never stuck. Okay, a lot so of my friends did though. Yeah. My my little brother was a total fantasy okay. nerd. I it was more of a phase for me in middle school, but those were some of the first. And fantasy novels can be appallingly large. <laughs> with, yeah. With, um, yeah. With no end in sight, there was that, and then. I was playing a basketball tournament on a traveling basketball team from New Orleans to Orlando, and at a basketball tournament in Orlando, we went to a Walden Books. Speaking yeah. of Walden, yep. and I bought R. a, a I discount guess, yeah. copy of *Pillars of the Earth* by Ken Follett. Oh, so I've yeah, I've
1: seen it. It's a mini Never yeah, it. it's Never been read. a mini
0: series. Not necessarily super high literature, yeah, but close to a thousand pages and and so quick
1: honorable mention the stand stephen king did not make it in but that's one of those that is right i mean not the same kind but enormous yes right very and i really liked it but also is it great i don't know yeah
0: like yeah for for ninth grade gym pillars of the earth felt like an accomplishment yeah to to get through and then the the full-on gateway i had a one of my favorite, Tony, from everything that I hear, you're a great teacher. I've never been in the classroom with you, so yeah. I, I. I've been in the classroom with you. Okay, um, there we go. Yes, I go to your church, yes. <laughs> the, uh, my senior year of high school, we had a course called Humanities. It was a double period of English and history, co taught by an English teacher and a uh, history teacher. Yeah. Half of the year was Western, half of the year was non Western, and it was this combined arts, culture, history. Awesome. Literature. It was one of my favorite classes that I've ever taken at any level, and the two summer reading books assigned that summer were 100 Years of Solitude*. Oh my God, Garcia Marquez, and then *Buddenbrooks* by Tomas Mann. The Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the German author. Yeah. Both really, really big. And heavy,
1: heavy hitting. Yeah. <laughs> 12th grade reading list. Right.
0: Yeah. As, as as Tony says, there's no summer reading for his. Yeah, we have at nothing. At so okay, yeah, right. there we go. Yeah. The, I was intimidated to to tackle both of those books but I was surprised by how much I loved the immersive experience of and yeah. Garcia Marquez is a world builder yeah. in his own way and The Budenbrooks by Mann is this multi-generational story of a German mercantile family and it's like, I no, I was I oh, say a
1: bildungsroman but it's not a bildungsroman <laughs> There we go. Yeah.
0: True. And then I was surprised. Hey, I really, really like this. What I was dreading. And of course, you put off some reading until the last minute. Sure. And I, I thought there's no way I'll get through this, but I found myself saying, this is really great. Wow. So that was my beginning of did it stick? big books. Did it stick for the yes, most part? Yeah. It did. Okay. It did. Yeah. So, honorable mention. I have one honorable mention. Honor, honorable, okay. dis- 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 mention. we did bring visual aids. We brought visual aids for this audio-only podcast. I asked and
1: he said, "Please bring the stuff." So there we go.
0: That's <laughs> I'm. I
1: re- I'm not very far into it. I remember you mentioning this before. This is. Zibaldone Zibaldone, Giacomo Leopardi
0: Yes What is this? I've I've written a couple of blogs about it This is out of control Too recently So so that's a solid 2000 plus page Oh boy It's basically a journal By this crazy Italian that lived in the early 1800s Didn't have a lot of friends But wrote about a lot of stuff So it's a combination of cultural history History of language He was a classicist So he was wealthy, he, his parents had a huge personal library, and he just read everything in there. And these are his thoughts about life, the universe, and everything. I was going to
1: say, uh, he's uh, recognized by Nietzsche, uh, I guess, Walter Benjamin? I'm not sure who's, maybe, Be- okay, Samuel Beckett, yeah. yeah. So he's the writer's writer. He's the band behind the band. Sure. For a
0: lot of different... Z people and yep so love it i'm get a
1: big red z on this book okay that's honorable mention my goal
0: is a page a day yeah uh, <laughs> that that'll or to average it so if i read a page a day that's 365 pages a year and if that's like a 2200 page book i'll get there
1: yeah right yeah I, you know that reminds me of a thing i did once uh 10 minute docs uh-huh. for all the documentaries you don't want to watch perfect you can do 10 minutes yeah and so I would just do 10 minutes before bed, and then I would get – I was watching all kinds of – then I learned that I actually do want to watch these documentaries. and I was, But, but there, I will admit, some Ken Burns was consumed 10 minutes at a time at our house.
0: <laughs> KB. Yeah, yeah. Got the KB. And Berger. I shouldn't even
1: say that I'm married to a history major. So um, – but it's true. 10, ten docs. You wow. know,
0: Tony, Tony, between you and me and Emily and Tessa, the – the lack of practical knowledge <laughs> <laughs> between our two families. I,
1: I used to be ashamed. Staggering. I used to be ashamed, and now we just embrace it as some sort of strange bohemian people. That's right. Um, yeah, living in walkable communities and all that kind of thing. So, <laughs> Life yeah. of the
0: mind. <laughs> right, right. So, so dishonorable mention. You mentioned Russian authors, so let's not have a big conversation here in case yes. we'll do it at that point. Dishonorable mention. War and Peace, I think, is totally overrated.
1: I started reading it this summer, bought it. Okay. For the purpose, and I just, it wasn't working, and I think I might be allergic to Tolstoy. Okay. I I read most of Anna Karenina and just kind of stopped. I wasn't even mad about it. Yeah. I just sort of stopped. And then (laughs) one of my choices... It's not you, it's me. Right. is is, One of my choices here is Dostoevsky, Mm -hmm. because I just, I found, it's not the Russians, it's it's that Russian. (laughs) It's the... It's Sometimes it's just one Russian. It's just one. Um, yeah, so, okay, that's interesting that we kind of meet there. Yeah. Why for you?
0: Just kind of boring. Yeah. And lots of description without any a larger sense of narrative purpose, drive, or vision. So it, I was surprised that it's easy to read. Yeah. It's easier to read than I thought. Yep. It's not complex language. It's not big thoughts. It's just a lot of descriptions of a lot of stuff that just sort of happens. I, I was and so I was
1: sold I was sold War and Peace by one of my favorite philosophy professors in college as basically like read it as a fun war novel. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing that and I just I don't know, I'll give it I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll come back to it.
0: Yeah. Maybe the the oxymoron of the fun war novel could could be where Yeah, right. Where I, I was out, also
1: sold uh, Moby Dick as a comedy, which actually did work for me. Oh. Yeah. Fascinating. Anyway, so okay. that's another but that's not one of my choices.
0: Yeah, I, I think I got through about seven hundred pages of War and Peace. Oh. And which is almost two thirds of the or two thirds of the way through. Yeah. And my my way of sticking it to Tolstoy was like, I'm not even gonna finish Leo. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, gonna leave Leo hanging. So that's what I did. So wow. do you have any honorable or dishonorable mentions?
1: Um dishonorable mentions no probably because I never finished them okay I mean the honorable mention I've already said is the stand Uh, my dad read it when he was in the Navy and he just kind of tossed it to me one summer and I you know I I will admit I was one of these guys that was saying Stephen King whatever everybody reads Stephen King and then I read it and I was like this is this is a great book it's so fun it's just a fun you can you can that's a book I don't even know how long it is. it is probably 900 pages yeah you can crush it in probably a month it just goes yep but am I going to learn much about it, about, you know, the human experience or something? I don't know. TBD. Yeah, it's fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the stand begins with a quote from Bruce Springsteen's Jungle Land. As, I think you're right. As, as, as the very beginning of the book down here, the puts right nothing at all they just stand back and let it all be and, and so on
1: springsteen reference achieved <laughs> there we go okay <laughs> end of podcast everybody. Sure, we done it <laughs> okay bye
0: all right so let me let's 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 do this okay. as, as i, I say have no movies. order by the way okay i i have a little bit of an order okay but let's just say there's an order so give me your number five Tony. number five okay so going into the satchel
1: what does he um, have in there? You know, just because it's a little. F- you know what? I will do. Oh, very good. Middle March, mm-hmm. George Eliot. Um, and I will admit, I know very little about George Eliot. Uh, George Eliot is a woman. Right. Writing uh, under a pseudonym, uh, George Eliot. Um the reason I chose never read this. It. You never read it. This is an English major thing. And, you know, there was this. I guess when I was going into college in 2005 um, it was one of those books that on other campuses English majors would flex in front of each other. It's okay. like, oh have you read Middlemarch? Right, and right. like I'm not convinced anybody actually did but uh-huh. uh, it was one of those books. And so I forget where I heard about it but I started reading it and, and I think one of the blurbs or something in there in the Barnes and Noble edition that I just picked up yep. one day. Yep. It said that it was a a novel for adults okay and uh, and I guess that's how I will sell it um, it has a lot of different storylines going on there but what yeah. I think is really great about it um, is and I don't know what the page count clocks in at there. solid I
0: mean, 800 800 plus yeah it's it's love it
1: yeah you can't really even you can't really pick it up you have to kind of like just sort of set it down on your lap yeah. there's, there's no chance um, it has so many different characters. It's kind of in the vein of like a Jane Austen novel or something, mm-hmm. Mar- the marriage plot right. and all of that. But what it does is it has the people then get married. And oh, not all the marriages are good. Hmm. Um, not all these things are really working out very well. Yep. And it's not, I think, in a, It's not done in a modern style where the marriages are not going well, so people are stepping out on each other and doing all sorts of stuff. Right. No, they stick with it. And... <laughs> you know sometimes the only way out was the guy dies or um, you know or sometimes the people are just sort of figuring out how to love people better Hmm. Um, even though this is not what their ideal situation would be or you have other characters who um, they know they're entering into a situation that is not going to be fulfilling in a love Mm -hmm. sense but they need to because they need to uh, have financial security or whatever I just felt it's so real uh-huh. Like, because, and I think in, a mod, in the modern world, that's something that many people um, maybe don't talk about with marriage. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those sort of compromises and things yeah. that people will make within them. But I think it's incredibly accurate. Um, so Middlemarch, again, don't read it in a month. Take yeah. six months and read it mm-hmm. and just let all the characters just sort of have their time. Um, and have their different temptations and all the different things that happen in the novel. It's also very clean, I will say. Um, Like, you know, a Christian podcast or something. But, like, it it has a lot of different plots. It has some different moments when a character could do something they shouldn't do. Okay. But nobody really does. And I feel like that's also kind of the way people live. Like, people are not out there getting crazy, as crazy as we might think. Right. Uh, Most people are trying to figure it out and trying to do right by their spouse, which is kind of interesting and cool. So read that a couple of years ago and I kind of can't get out of my head. Fascinating. Yeah. Middlemarch, March, George Eliot.
0: You know, as I think about it, mm-hmm. characters doing sensationalistic things are in some ways easier to write. Yes. Because the, the plot gives the momentum at that point because all these crazy things happen. But being able to write about interiors of characters where not a whole lot happens, which is like most of our lives, yeah. most of the time. Yeah. But still carrying its own internal narrative propulsion yeah. is much much harder, and really the holy grail for reading books. I'd have to think about this. I'm not sure this is the only holy grail. I, sure. I might have made many holy grails. So <laughs> okay. it, it's it's a uh, end of Indiana, Indiana Jones. And I the was last crusade uh, yeah, where, right. where there's just lots of grails. Yeah. Lots of grails. But characters coming to life like let's let's not overthink yeah. this and yeah. and being able to intimately know a fictional character as if he or she were living and breathing. There's
1: nothing better in literature yeah. than people are interesting enough. And I think that and I, you know, what's interesting, too. I was thinking about this as you were talking is is, is because George Eliot is a woman. As a as a man, it gives me another sense about what is this marriage thing like. Yeah. In a scope that I'm I'm, a, I'm kind of a I'm a Janeite. I love Jane Austen novels. Um, one of my dream classes I to teach would be a Jane Austen class. Okay. Um, all that. George Eliot is not Jane Austen. This is not a funny book. It has funny moments. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a solid book about human relationships. Yeah. But I think you get the female perspective in a way that. I don't think quite shows up let's say like in a Jonathan Franzen novel that you might read nowadays which yeah. I, I read all of his books I like them yep. but it's it's male it's masculine and all right. of that as, as good as he is it's still not quite what she can do but yeah. that's why she's George Eliot I guess yep. so yeah,
0: yeah that's funny I'm I'm a Kindle reader sometimes. I'm 97% of the way through Crossroads right oh, now. Oh, good for you. Franzen's I
1: I mentioned that to you about
0: late, five months, book. six months ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. And and he does write more female characters than I've seen in pre- previous fiction of his. Uh, yeah. And, and now Tony and I are going to tell you how accurately Jonathan Franzen portrays women as
1: the two dudes. Let's let's mansplain to each other. Okay, so I think that's the best way. Very good. So, yes,
0: uh, Middlemarch, excellent. And I will say for mine, a novel that was written about ten years ago by an Irish author, Paul Murray, called Skippy Dies. I don't. It's it, it's a novel that I haven't seen a ton of people talking about or or reading. I've I never heard. I went on sabbatical in 2018 and the the pinnacle of the sabbatical trip was our family took two weeks in Ireland week and a half in Ireland bad. and so when I when I have the chance to travel places I like to stack up my reading list with something with books specific to the country I'm
1: I, yeah. visiting
0: yeah why not like if, if yeah. you're gonna go there you may as well be in it do some reading about it and so S- Skippy dies is a novel about a fictional Catholic boarding school in Dublin, set more or less in the present day, and so a campus
1: novel sort of. Yeah, thing? Okay.
0: right. Campus novel, and mm-hmm. the the conceit of the book is basically the first sentence of the novel tells the end of the novel, namely Skippy dies, which oh, is lovely. also the title of the book. And Spoiler so alert. it's okay. it's slice of life with uh, capers, conundrums, heroism. Yeah. Pratt Falls, Genuine Falls, of this group of Irish high school students that, at least in my perspective, does wonderfully to paint a slice of life, but it's more than just a slice that I have it pulled up here. I, I, I don't have a physical copy to give you because this is one of my Kindle ones.
1: It's okay. Uh, yeah.
0: It's about 700 pages, and and it takes its time with with these lived in characters. I, I don't think I'd want to go back and redo high school all over again. But at the same time, I loved high school. Yeah. <laughs> and some, some of my best, some of my most awkward, some of my The ra- compression of victories. time. Well,
1: it's that compression of time. Totally. Like as a high school teacher, like it's, it's in a way, I feel like I get to live in it yep. over and over and over and over again, sort <laughs> of a Groundhog Day situation. But yeah. there's something about the compression of time and all of that that. Um, hmm. That's intriguing.
0: Yeah, and and you only get, you only, you only get one first kiss. You only get yeah one first illicit beverage and, and all, is of that, the, all of those sorts of experiences. And is that
1: so? That's basically the novel just following these kids. Yeah, I love that.
0: Right, and and there's a there's the tragedy of Skippy dying. It's a fairly comedic novel, but Skippy dying is sort of the event that jolts these kids into okay. adulthood in yeah. in different ways which is a little bit of a plot plot device granted but what makes it interesting to me is that you know the whole time that Skippy's going to die yeah. And, yeah and 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 so it's less about the event for shock value but more unpacking how these teenagers process different emotions that that bring them from high school into adulthood. Dang so. it.
1: Now, okay. Skippy dies. I was, in a way, I was dreading this because I'm going to have more projects <laughs> ahead of me.
0: That's right. Well, Tony, let's keep it snappy. Sure. That's, that's my number five. What you got for your number four? Okay. Um, as he reaches back into I, the bag.
1: You know what? I'm actually going to th- throw in the one that I don't have with me. I actually do this on audiobook. So I, okay. and I, am, I am one of the people who would say, you can do however you want to consume these things. Right. I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. I'll give I'll give people grace on this one. Equal I'd opportunity. This, this was audible.com and uh, this one clocks in at a long. I think this was I think this was something like 25 hours or something, okay? okay. Which I looked it up. I think this is around 800 I think it's 802 pages. Um, the Better Angels of Our Nature. The Better Angels of Our Nature. Have you heard this? Before? No. The Better Angels of Our Nature is Why can't I think of it? Is it Steven Pinker? Um, I'll look it up. I believe it's. St- I know Steven. Pinker, so I think it's Stephen. Okay. Um, but anyway, the "Better angel of Our Nature" comes from a uh, speech by Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. uh, when he appeals to people in the better. This right. actually becomes very popular um, in the in the '90s, I guess, in the mm-hmm. 2000s, yep. um, uh, with the different uh, presidential campaigns. We're talking about this. Um, Essentially, his argument is that violence has been decreasing uh, for a great deal of time. And we see this about 400 years ago. We start to see violence decreasing more and more and more. So the perception in modern society is that violence is going up. I'm familiar with this book. Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. And so that violence is going up. But in fact, it's actually declining in many different areas and the world is getting more peaceful overall, even even in the context of the world we're living in right now, where the perception is that it's actually much worse. Yeah. Um, So this is one of those, like there's almost too much to say. So I'm not, I'm just not going to say that much, but um, it's one of those where I couldn't, I couldn't not think about it Uh once I had read it. And uh, I think I read it, maybe it was came out in 2011. I believe I must've read it two years after it came out. Yeah. And, um, I, it, I use it all the time when I'm talking to people, talking to my students in class, because basically to a person, everybody thinks that everything is getting worse. Yeah. And it's kind of not, but there's, may- balancer. there's maybe something in us that wants it to get worse yep. or believes that it's worse, or it, maybe it's the social media thing. Yeah. It could be just the, the media landscape and the way that that gets people more excited about things yeah. than they should be. Right. Better Ends of Our Nature. Yeah. It, it, and, and if you go on the Wikipedia page, which I did before this because it's been a long time, <laughs> um, there's a lot of people who disagree with a lot of things that he says in that yeah. book and, and the different uh, st- uh, stats that he puts out there. It is one of those books I think you should read it or listen to it and then get into the debates about it the debates right. are just as fun as the book itself yeah so anyway yeah. and
0: he's a he's a i've never read pinker he's a sociologist by trade is yes that? okay yes i
1: believe so sociologist so, psychologist kind of like that borderline
0: right right and, and and so this is a longitudinal account so yeah, historic sociology and He basically psychology. starts
1: thousands of years ago and looks at what the accounts of war would have been back then, the death tolls, the kinds of things that people would do to kill each other, right. all of that. He goes into another sec and then basically tracks that all the way until you know 2011. Yeah, He has another section where he gets into the kinds of violence that people uh-huh. participate in, yep. um, and the different theories of violence and all of that. So yeah. if you're just somebody who is interested in this, maybe because you're into violence, or you're just... Right into violence in sort of a sociological way it doesn't matter um it it really informs and breaks down all these different kinds of ways uh that that people hurt each other to get to the point that we're really not doing this as much yeah And, and so and i guess maybe to boil down something that i talk to my students about a lot is i say you know if there's a fight in the hall we're often offended by that yeah many of my students are offended by that point and they actually don't know what to do. Right. The fact that that is something that you feel, even in a secular age where many of my students are not, have no religious background whatsoever, so that this is just them sitting there as people.
0: Yeah. That's the image of God right there. Right? I yeah. mean, yeah.
1: They're offended mm-hmm. by this violence. Yeah. That is basically proving his point. And there's a lot of points in the book that yeah. are, you know, we could take issue with and all of that and some of his statistics, but... The point is well made. Yeah, yeah.
0: Very good. The world's not quite as on fire as it's not as we might think. It's not. Yeah, and it it wouldn't scare me away that part. A project that big, and for a person that's read as widely as Pinker, like things are going to be contested. In a, yes. In, in a book of that size, yeah. size and scope, but yeah, and, and there's plenty of anecdotal data that could indicate the other way. But I think yes. it's true that. Uh, I've never uh, I think most of the kids at Collingswood High School have never gotten in a fist fight for right. for example uh, yeah. life expectancies at least until very recently have been on the up and to the right for yeah I, I would argue that time. most
1: of the things that you might see in film or on the news or whatever have nothing to do right with what your day to day experience actually is yeah um, like the, the old joke that you would turn on CNN and you'd see the world ending and um, you know, there's there's tanks rolling in here, and there's yeah. just violence in the streets, and then you open up the door, and there's birds chirping, and everything's going fine. I mean, cl- you know, clearly that's a context that I'm living in, but yeah. it's many people's context. Right. Because it's actually not as bad as we might think.
0: Yeah. And I think it's... I mean, this is disappointing. Tony, you know that sex and violence sells, including on I've podcasts. Heard. I've so heard. Yeah. The, the, the fact that you're pointing to us us to a book that that, that is... <laughs> not not deep on the sex and violence oh. you're 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 killing the five golden things brad but but that's I'm okay i'm sorry yeah
1: <laughs> it's only going to get worse i'm sorry jim
0: yeah <laughs> well here is my number four Ooh, i i am passing you a, passing you a physical copy this is cultural amnesia this by an, a recently deceased australian author, author clive james uh, literary critic clive yes. james yep
1: yes yeah. So
0: so in some ways, that's his magnum opus. I I bought that book close to 10 years ago now. That's not my original copy. I completely marked it up my original copy and then gave it to my brother, who's also a big, big reader as a gift with a personal note inside saying, Mark, this is one of the favorite books of mine that I've ever read. Mm. I want you to have not just any copy but my copy with my notes so that you can go back and read and we can have conversations about wow. it. He's he's never brought it up since. I, I I don't know if he's actually read it or even spent any time with it. Next time, I, next time I'm at his house in D.C., I went through this period. So, oh, so
1: you marked it up, sent it to him?
0: After I was done with it. Yeah, and this, yeah. so this is the second That's copy. That's my replacement okay. copy that, that, that you're holding right here. In In high school, I would get all of my friends for their birthdays CD copies of Born to Run the, the well Bruce Springsteen al- album if I found that they hadn't literally opened mm. the unfoiled the album the, the within a week I, w- I would take it back Good. And, and, and so I might take back that oh. copy from from my brother wow. but but James is a polymath self-taught lived most of his adult life in England and the conceit of that book is that there's a lot of cultural history, specifically from Europe, in the early to mid-20th century that World War II destroyed. And so that book there, he mentions more or less 40, I think, literary figures, musical figures, cultural figures. And even though each entry, it's alphabetical by cultural figure, he starts off talking about the cultural figure, but then jumps in all these other directions. And some, sometimes the, yeah. the, the entry about this or that person has very little to do with, with that person by the end of the essay about him or her. Yeah. But what it is, it's an impressionistic and he self-taught himself multiple languages. And it's, it's an idiosyncratic, primarily cultural history of Europe understanding with a heavy focus on Vienna and Paris before the Nazis came and destroyed everything Uh, and he's I don't think he's a Jewish person or, or of Jewish descent yeah but there's a ton of history about Jewish writers and thinkers that had Hitler not happened Cultural history wow, in the twentieth yeah. century would have been very, very different. Yeah. And and so the whole whole literary histories squelched that Clive James tries to revive at least a little bit. And and he's mm. also somebody who's super widely read and just a great writer. So he writes with a lot of verve, a lot of wit, which makes a big book seem less big. Yeah. Cultural and cultural amnesia, the point of the title is there's a lot of crucially important cultural figures that we're on the verge of completely forgetting about. So he's trying to revive strands of history that are going dormant.
1: Wow, I mean, I kinda wanna read this, but the, uh, you, this reminds me of uh, the literary critic Harold Bloom. Oh yeah. Who wrote, he wrote a bunch of different things. He wrote one book called The Western Canon. Shots fired, he yeah. decides what the Western Canon is. The book that I really love that my, my wife, Tessa, actually mentioned before this, um, that I always talk about, is um, Shakespeare Invention of the Human. Right. Where he goes through every Shakespeare play, Yep. Um, making the argument that Shakespeare invented humanity itself. Yeah. A Bloomian argument, if I've ever heard one, Right. totally over the top. Why not? But, uh, yeah, I mean, taking each one and, and starting a discussion about a play, and then maybe not even talking about the play at any point. Right. Um, so Yeah i'm very i am very interested in this book so
0: so good good literature is just a window to humanity and in in different ways and cultural amnesia does i think a wonderful wonderful job of jumping into a lot of personalities and characters that i otherwise would not have known about my my brother went to yale and had harold bloom as a lecturer a couple of different times he he said that he was interesting <laughs> as, a, yeah. as a person a, a little bit and, and he's deceased a little bit of never meet your heroes type of the type I, you of know situation. so this
1: is a weird one my one of my um one of my favorite professors was the harold his dissertation advisor for his phd Nice, and he's found it amusing that every time you went in no matter who you were and he wrote he edited books with him yeah called him child he would call everybody child, um, and he would call you over to watch, uh, I think he was a Yankees fan.
0: That's not patronizing so, at all.
1: Yeah, so he'd be sitting on a little stool in his like New York apartment or something. He would call you over, summon you over as child, and then you would watch the Yankees with him. Um, and then he would read your dissertation in three seconds <laughs> because Uncle he Harry. was the fastest reader in the history of mankind. Yeah, um, yeah. That's <laughs> really Harry. funny. Yeah.
0: Sidebar about that, then we'll get to you number three. Sure. Louis Armstrong... The Trumpeter, mm-hmm. who, who also actually has an entry in the Clive James book right there. He was somebody who was always on the road and met so many people that pretty early on in his life, he stopped learning people's names that, and called everybody Pops. That's good. Old man, yeah. young man, old woman, young woman. And that was also a nickname for himself. So people would call him Pops. That's and like th- when grandpas call
1: start calling their grandchildren Pop. I don't know yeah. if that's a thing in your in, in your world, but that happened in my family. I think it's just because they forgot what everybody's name was. Right. That might it, be. It, it,
0: yeah. it, it works. I, I, as my senescence continues, I think, uh, I, think I might adopt I wanna, that. I'm going to stay here, right
1: here on the pod. I'm going to say I will never be that cool. <laughs> this is impossible. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Give
0: me your number three.
1: All right, number three, I am going to bring out. This is really, I'm feeling how modern some of this stuff is. I'm going to bring out My Struggle, Karlova Knauskard. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And I got the first volume, and then I got the last volume that I'm now holding sideways so that Jim right. can see. So this clocks in total plus at 3,000-plus pages. I don't even yeah. know. A yeah. lot. And,
0: um, I've, I've never read them. I've, I've been ooh, tempted. It's,
1: it, it, it's your comp right there. It is. My struggle. It, I think in the Norwegian, it's minkamp. Yeah. Okay. Right. right so right, it, I mean, right. he knows yep. what he's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these books. Um, I don't know. if I can pass them over. I don't know if they're doing anything for you, but hey, basically, Carl Ove um, is a Norwegian writer. He kind of came on the scene. He wrote a, a novel previous to writing My Struggle, which is a, I guess, a memoir memoir fiction yeah i guess you could say um and it really just started with i mean the first book is about the death of his father right and um you know going to you know set up the you know just kind of cleaning out a house yep and um the the metaphor there is is pretty good you know to go to clean out the past and all this sort of thing but um with the start of that He's he. By the next novel, he goes and he's looking at his uh, being with his kids and being a being a family man, and then he moves to being in the third one. I think it's about uh, being a boy. Yeah. Um, And so it starts out as this thing about his dad, and gradually just kind of blooms into this whole life. Right. That he ends up talking about his entire life, maybe becoming a writer. I'm not really sure what it's about. Yeah. I've read every word. Um. It's I would say and that series is completed
0: as I understand. It is done,
1: okay. yes, it is done. I and I can say this one like I wholeheartedly recommend that people read it. Okay. Many not one person has taken me up on it. Many people have read me, read the first book on my recommendation, yeah. but then after that it's just so it's so much. Right. Um and a lot of the stuff that he's writing about, he'll go on in the classic style of a three thousand pager. He might go on for twenty pages about I don't know. I mean I remember one that I'd use in class. It was a five page section about like pouring cereal. Right. But it's amazing because he uses that to talk about the tension between him and his father and the the yeah. milk was spoiled or something and he he didn't want his dad to be mad at him for not liking the milk and then his dad was upset with him for not telling yeah. that the milk was spoiled and right. why would you you know all these different complexities that if you give the space to write it yeah. you can really give a sense of the tension there. Right. Um but what I what I would recommend about this book I think in, in, in our times is he's writing as a very secular author yeah and but he openly admits that he wishes that there was something he could reach for hmm you know a, a, Christ, a Christian audience is now screaming at the book but yeah. in, in a way it's he admits like he's kind of stuck uh-huh and he's kind of overthought things right he's written a three thousand page book I mean he's yeah. overthought things to a crazy degree um, but by going through his whole life and kind of trying to uncover everything, he really – I think what he's trying to do is sort of straighten everything out. Yeah. To look back to the past to straighten everything out. And um, I don't know if he did it, but I think if you want a picture of, I guess, masculinity in a modern age that Mm -hmm. is not toxic, it is not – this is a guy who's just trying mm-hmm. my struggle that's what it's yeah. called he's just trying to figure out what it is to be a dad yeah and a person living in modern west yep. yeah yeah Which, I don't the, know if that sells anything but yeah
0: and my understanding too is that part of the point of the book is he's, he's being as honest as he can yeah and not holding anything by back by the
1: last book yeah I mean by the last book the other books have come out and he yeah. has huge falling uh, fallings out fallings out um, with his family um, He's at some point in the novels gets divorced from his wife because he reveals that he has had right, an affair right. in the novel <laughs> In the novel, but, but I mean that, <laughs> that Honey, have you gotten to chapter 10? Yeah, I mean, oops, yeah, so you know there's a But that kind of honesty is incredibly refreshing and I do, it doesn't read as somebody bragging about this yeah, and there is a modern way of doing not a, a memoir Mm-hmm. where a person is kind of going out of their way to to be as over the top as possible. Yeah. To get into all those kind of gritty details right. as, as a show-offy sort of thing. Yeah. And it feels much more shameful. Right. And he describes it and how much shame he feels, but he just feels sort of compelled to just get involved in these things. Yeah. I would say at the end of the novel, I, there's no attraction to do anything that he said, that that, that he did right. there. Yeah. He, so, um, and, and, but... Uh, really, it allowed me to sort of see this, the kind of struggles, I guess, that many people are going through from day to day, but many of us just simply don't talk about. It. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, it's incredible. Incredible.
0: My, my understanding, too, is that in some ways, the Knosgard memoirs are sui generis in that there's never been memoirs quite like that but also the end of the line too where you can't do this you can't do that yeah he's he's done it there there's nobody else that's gonna say like this is this is my yeah the
1: the only comparison I've heard is like Marcel Proust in search of lost time sure and that's a not that's much more novel yeah um I've, I've read half of Swan's Way, the first book, you know, but yeah. it's much more novel and it's not quite the same thing. So if you've started Marcel Proust and you were like, I don't want to read another one like that. It's not that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's very it's it's not very French. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not very French. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so so he he both launches and puts to rest an entire genre. Yeah.
1: By, it, by himself. And I will say, it feels that this book, all the books were written fast and he admits that they were written incredibly fast on deadline, publishers breathing down his neck, yep. almost entirely unedited, which you'll believe at certain <laughs> moments, right. but in a way as a feat of art, it's it's really impressive to watch and it actually does work at a, as a page turner so one yep. of the books I could sit down and just do 50 pages and actually read one of these books relatively quickly I think the last one the, the, the last one is over a thousand pages and I yeah. read it pretty quickly even with the 200 page section on Adolf Hitler that he felt compelled to do so right um, anyway yeah really interesting book okay there we go my
0: Tony I'm, I'm gonna call an audible here sure. I think I think this is a part one and a part two fine <laughs> what do you want to do yeah <laughs> the I I think we're, we're midway through okay and we're we're coming up at a time where, it, uh, if if we would rush to finish right now, yeah, uh, we we wouldn't do justice to however some, you feel, yeah, some I'm, some pretty big books.
1: However you feel, because I got, I mean, I haven't even, yeah.
0: So we're we're gonna leave it on a cliffhanger right now, turns. Wow. Okay. And Tony, this has been everything that I was hoping that it would be. Oh, good. The and we will to be continued so Tony and I are going to talk offline here a second if we want to keep recording now or yeah, sure or, or do something Figure else but we've given I'm you honored. some big books. <laughs> <laughs> I did we, warn you you have <laughs> been I guess you've been balooched I don't know you done been balooched
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> <You> <laughs> and angered so at proud. the same
0: time so th- this has been awesome to be continued Turtle Love's right in so, so, so the email stream has trickled off a little bit during the summertime with, with the release schedule, even though listening numbers have actually been really good, but mm. you know, nobody's counting Tony. Sure. And so Turtledove's write-in, fivegoldenthingspod at gmail.com, either for some of your favorite big books, or if you would want to predict wow. what, what you think might be on Jim and Tony's list. So we've heard wow. three of Tony's, you've heard two of mine. And we will be continued from there. Tony, any, any parting shots for now? Um, what were you hoping this conversation would be? And what, was it what you expected it to be or not?
1: I, I am. I am. Well, Jim warned me that he, he might go nonfiction on this. Yes. And he did. I'm quite surprised. And, in fact, I'm regretting some of my decisions <laughs> because I had some other big sort of anthology style. Thi- I don't know. <laughs> There's lots of possibility here yeah, for a for future conversation. So, yeah. We can build on this. Yeah, we can. Tony, thank
0: you so much. And you'll be hearing from me and Tony again soon. Okay. Ta-ta, turtle bye, doves. Bye, bye turtle doves.
1: It's
0: <laughs> good. Stick in the landing. Wow. That was definitely a top five episode of Five Golden Things, The Liberty Lists. And remember, kids, schadenfreude ain't just a river in Egypt. Wait in the water a little deeper anytime at LibertyCollingswood.org and find us at the usual socials. Make us a top five follow and you'll always be our number one. pip.
1: My, my students had a phrase called like being belushed. Oh, um, actually, okay. I, one of them made a shirt about uh-huh. this.